दात्र आमिस्त्रोबीन हजार I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Read it. Hi, welcome to Don't Read the Latin. I'm Jennifer Lovely, and my guest for tonight is... I'm Sabrina Ray. Hi, Sabrina. Thank you for joining me tonight. So is there anything that you've seen recently that you'd like to talk about? Oh, Horror sure. Horror movie or TV? What have you been watching? Um, we just finished The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is the oh pseudo-sequel to The Haunting of Hill House. Isn't it just wonderful? Well, I hope you think it was wonderful. Did you like it? I didn't like it as much as I liked Hill House, but then again, that was fresh. That was, um, I think they're both very much in Mike Flanagan's style. So yeah. um, I wasn't as surprised. And I always like it when I discover something and it's all new and I'm getting surprised. Like looking for ghosts in Hill House was so exciting yeah. because I didn't know they were there. And as I started to notice them and other people started to notice them <gasps> and we started talking yeah. about it, that was like amazing. Yeah. Um, I really loved it because I'm a big, I, I, I probably read The Turn of the Screw way too young and then i love i love the uh, the innocence and um unfortunately my my only movie that made me really sad is they did another version of it called the turning okay um, and i was just i was just primed to love it and it was so wah wah <laughs> it's like oh oh i actually turned it like like i'll i'll like either drop out of a movie like like right at the beginning mm-hmm. or I'll, but this one i got like most of the way through and i'm like i don't care what they do but but um, Bly Manor was amazing. Yeah, so. um, I like I lo- my favorite episode was probably the one in black and white, which was much more gothic. Oh um, yeah, I thought that it's was the scariest one. Yeah, yeah, I love the, the the relationship with the sisters and oh. yeah, that was and then when you beautiful. like when you play back and you realize that um, it was really Mister Hinkley who runs the old amusement park. I'm just totally did a spoiler, but um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of trying to avoid that, but okay. No, I'm terrible, apparently. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it was also really touching that it it was a love story, which you know that's yeah. kind of that's kind of a twist, I guess. But yeah, the fact that um, the love story between Hannah and Owen, which is so cute. Oh, Owen is so oh. awesome. I used to love watching him on um, iZombie when he played. Yeah, uh, what was the name yeah, of his yeah. character? He was so good. Oh. He was the more he was the morgue guy. Yeah. The- the morgue yeah. doctor? No, I loved, I loved like the first couple of years of iZombie are so wonderful. I stopped watching it after a little while, but like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I loved, I mean, it felt like really everybody did a really great job. And it was funny because I'm doing like a, um, a recommendation, like once a day recommendation of horror movies through October, which is like big goth Christmas time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and I saw the episode pop up that had, um, uh, Kieran. Uh, directing it who did citadel and then like literally just today i looked at everybody who directed episodes and it's like a who's there there are people in there who've been doing like really amazing movies for like the last like 10 years so i mean 
it's all really good people making really great television. So was there anything else that you've been seeing lately? Because uh, you've, you've covered one of the things that I've watched lately. So I mean, I watch a lot of anime for my podcast. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you've ever I don't know how big an anime fan you are. I am literally getting my my introduction to it because my daughter is uh, is basically pulling me through <laughs> the anime universe. Um, I've seen Dung and Rapa, and uh, we're watching the original Sailor Moon. Okay, um, which I'm really liking because it's on the one that they have on Hulu doesn't change the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, we're but we're not very far into it. So I'm very new to anime. I am um, our. My, I have a show, Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends, and on that show we do kind of like more off-the-beaten-path anime, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, we covered about three series so far, so um, we did a, a series called Beastars, which is about a wolf that falls in love with a rabbit. They're, they go to this elite prep school where they're in the drama club, and I'm of just course. stacking random words on top of each other, it seems, <laughs> right? But it's so good. <laughs> It's weirdly romantic. It's also kind of um, phantasmagoric in a way. Like it's kind of psychosexual because the wolf tries to eat the rabbit and then his feelings for the rabbit are mixed up in his natural feelings towards like being the carnivore and the predator and her feelings towards (laughs) being the prey. But she's like this super like sexually liberated rabbit who like... Finds her self-worth, awesome. finds her self-worth because she's a dwarf rabbit, so she's really common. So she finds, oh. like, her, she's very small in stature, and she's kind of, like, preordained by the universe to be eaten. And, like, just be sort of, like, a consumable. <laughs> so they, he gets feelings for her, and the whole series is kind of about how, you know, like, whether or not he can reconcile... Like his feelings for her versus the fact that he wants to literally eat her. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of like Twilight. <laughs> if Twilight was really good, you know, if they hadn't. Yeah, exactly. If it hadn't... You're making me. There was a movie that uh, Tekla and I just watched, and I completely forgot the name of it. And so I'm looking to see if I can find it. Um, just a second. It was called, like, If Miriam Were Here, or if... When Marnie Was There. Oh, yeah, um, I have not seen that. That is um, from Studio Ghibli, right? Yeah, yeah. We, um, I was trying to find stuff that had uh, young women forming relationships and, like, having relationships with girls. And it's really hard to find media. <laughs> um, my daughter just came out... Um, as lesbian, and I've been trying to find, number one, age-appropriate uh, media for her and books for her to consume that aren't either overtly sexualized, and and also there just aren't many, at least that I'm finding. And I know that I'm, like, literally at the very beginning of trying to find things, but um, things, again, that are age-appropriate but are about lesbian coming-of-age stories, where it seems like the world is just, there's this onslaught of gay male coming of age stories so yeah just trying to find things like that well and then the Bly Manor story was very much oh yeah a great lesbian love story it really is and she's a little like it's funny because she's kind of like dipping her toe in horror but like there's parts I don't know I just feel like Bly Manor might be a little too scary for her I don't know maybe test those waters up yeah 
Um, let's see. I wrapped up Lovecraft Country. Oh, I never uh, watched that yet. Oh, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm just going to kind of quickly go through things because I have a couple of things that I've seen. So we wrapped up Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, we watched Lovecraft Country. Uh, we, we started watching the Harley Quinn uh, cartoon that's on HBO Max. I have a friend, um, Mikey, who swears by it. He says it's, it's as good as anything the DC Universe has put out there. It really is amazing. <laughs> and... And it's really honest about Harley kind of discovering herself on her own. Are you saying and that her relationship with Poison Ivy comes up in the show? I have not seen that yet. I've only watched the first, um, and it has <laughs> spoilers for Harley Quinn. It has her having uh, Poison Ivy ends up in a relationship with another man. Um, and it hasn't really gone there. So I don't know. It might, uh, but it hasn't yet. So I, I was kind of waiting to see if that would happen, but it hasn't yet. But I'm at the very beginning as yet. I loved so, that. So I am Harley, really enjoying it. I loved that Harley Quinn movie they made with the Birds of Prey. Oh, that was so oh, good. It was so good. It was so good. That was the last thing I saw in the theater. So it's a good it's a good note to go out on. Exactly, exactly. Thank you, 2020. Um I watched uh there's a really interesting movie I watched just last night called The Wolf um, of Snow Hollow. And it just came out this year and it's a werewolf story. Have you heard about that? I've only heard You're not I've in. only heard the the people in my horror circles who like it. I haven't actually like tell us about it. It is <laughs> It is really good. The main male lead character is such a fucking trash fire. He he is he is just he is like a giant toxic masculinity Sunday with a goddamn cherry on top. Um it is it is it is I mean epically amazing. And and you're just like in a Ricky um uh what is her last name? Ricky from the two singing, the two girls singing group. I can't remember. That's going to drive me mad. Um, anyway, it's, there was these two comedian, female comedians who had like a little singing group that they would do like really quirky little songs. And one of the women's name is Ricky something. And I can't remember her last name right now, but she's fantastic. And we were laughing that while he's like the protagonist, he's like the lead of the movie. She's the hero of the movie. And it's amazing. Um, I also rewatched uh, the, I think it's Thai, uh, The Eye, um, which was remade in an absolutely terrible movie. I saw the remake um, and I never saw the original, so I oh, feel shame. Oh, but the original's really, the original's really scary. <laughs> and it's, a, I really, really um, recommend it. And then I finally saw um, Color Out of Space, which is the whole Nick Cage. Um, yeah, that was just as strange and Lovecraftian as I was led to believe, and I did enjoy it, but I did not enjoy it as much as those who, um, really, really, really love Lovecraftian stories. <laughs> well, you just finished watching Lovecraft Country. Does that have something to do with Lovecraft? It just kind of, yes. <laughs> I'll take that one, though. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. So that is kind of it, unless you had anything else exciting that you had no. seen or read or watched recently. It's not horror. I watched oh, all please. of Emily in Paris. I guess it's kind of horror in that it was super cringy, but I... Oh, 
I want to go to Paris Paris? and be cherished and wanted by everyone. (laughs) (laughs) What is I loved it because it's like literally she opens a door. There's a hot French guy that wants her. She like opens a drawer. There's a hot French guy that wants her. She she looks into the everyone. She looks in the fridge. There's a hot French guy who wants her. Basically, yes, falling from the sky. (laughs) So that means I'm pretty basic. (laughs) I'm okay with that. It's a quarantine. We're allowed it. We're allowed. I know. We're each allowed one or two. I was trying to think of um, my 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 basic stuff that I'm watching is uh, we've they they just dropped a new season of Great British Baking Show. I used to watch that all the time. Oh, and I still like you'd have never imagined that Noel Fielding, Mighty Boosh, <laughs> would I know when he showed up? I was like, I don't I don't understand, but he's delightful and wonderful, but um. The show itself isn't um, as delightful as it was. And I think it's because they keep trying to top, like, even though it's Mm. like the Great British Baking Show, where everything's wonderful and it's like a giant hug, um, they keep trying to top things. We just had an episode where uh, literally the technical and the first, like, everything went wrong. Like, literally who won in each of those bakes, like, just sucked the least. And it was... (sighs) Tecla and I finished the episode and we're like, this isn't, this didn't make me feel better (laughs) at all. (laughs) Like this, like this was really kind of anxiety inducing, like everything, like you're just watching things fail. It was like this big cascading fail. And I'm like, you would expect this on an American cooking show, not on, on the Great British Baking Show. And it was just, it was demoralizing. <laughs> I found out that in England or in Great Britain or the UK, let's call it the UK. I forget what it's called. Yeah. In the UK, where it originates from, it's it's full of controversy all the time. Like Really? It's it's, it's always like at the center of gossip, like someone sleeping That's with awesome. someone else, someone slept with Paul Hollywood, <gasps> someone so oh, like, I've heard Paul Hollywood's a giant man whore. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> He's got himbo written all over him, right? I know! <laughs> oh, you just love to hate him. <laughs> uh, I, I miss Mary Berry, I guess. Oh, we, we, we laughingly refer. Um, I miss Sue and Mel. I Sue miss, and Mel were great, too. I miss Sue and Mel. We, we jokingly called... Um, Mary Berry having resting yuck face because she'd take a bite of something and she'd look like she just like bit something terrible because she'd be like (laughs) and then we'd be like and then she'd be like oh this is scrummy and you'd be like that is not the impression that you gave me with that bite you just took because you did that looked bad yeah she had that (laughs) withering stare whenever she'd get green tea put in front of her like someone would mix matcha into the recipe for some reason if they, they thought they could win uh, yes. with that. I don't know. Oh, silly them. <laughs> oh, anyway. So, Sabrina, would you please tell me what your formative horror film was? My formative horror film was the film House, not the Japanese one with all the kooky so- monsters, but the the one that... <laughs> The, the the one that sticks out in everyone's mind because the poster was so memorable everywhere and yeah it was it's, and it was kind of go ahead yeah 
Oh, no, it was just everywhere. Like, every video store. That's what I was going to say, is in the video stores, there was a section for horror. And, like, you could avoid it as a kid if, like, you walked around it, because they had it clearly demarcated. But... (laughs) Don't go over there. That poster was still up front. And I remember seeing the disembodied hand ringing the doorbell, and it said, Ding dong, you're dead. So... Didn't you say that you ended up seeing this a little bit later? I did. Um, it was actually house. It was it was the Japanese house that I had referred to at the beginning of our conversation yeah. that I had seen later. I actually mm-hmm. did see oh, yes. um, house. I think it's 1986 or 1985. Yeah, yeah, um, 86. 86. Yeah. I saw house 86 um, like a year afterward. I think it came to VHS. And, you know, it was in the VHS store and it had the little tags with the rubber bands on the boxes. So you had to, sometimes you would get there and it was always out. And I I begged my parents (laughs) to let me see it because it was going to be my first full horror movie. Because um, I saw the poster a lot and I really liked it. And I also was a fan of The Greatest American Hero. Oh, of course, we all were. And it's star William Cat. William Cat was our jam. Yeah, his little boy, <laughs> boyish uh, with his curls. curls. <laughs> what really gets me, especially with rewatching it, I only rewatched it yesterday. Is I like when I remember watching it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I remember it just being so big and over the top and cartoony. And, and I loved it and absolutely remembered it that way. But really gets me, like watching it as an adult, is how much kind of real drama <laughs> there is in the movie. There's a lot of like heartbreak and PTSD. And my, as a kid, like I just was like, big rubber monster. Right. And, and bull from Night Court. And, you know, Such and you're ball. like, yay, it's awesome. <laughs> The big rubber suit woman. Yay. And like, shoosh, like all of the family drama and like the, oh my gosh, like the heartbreaking relationship with him and his wife. Yeah. It's so, it, it's so still like well-meaning, which yeah. it, that's, that's a very subtle cue for a movie like yeah. this. Like when they, they talk on the phone and like, <sighs> they can't say he's what they're really thinking. And then you find yeah. out that his son like went missing and it's implied that he was kidnapped by like people in a black van. Yeah. And he just blamed himself and he created this whole story that he was sucked into the pool and his like senile aunt like had convinced him that uh, the ghosts got him in the house. The the ghost because the house, the house is haunted. Yeah. So for a while, at least I was like, this is, this is dark. And it starts off very Stephen King like with like the, um, Oh yeah. The writer. Trying to come up with their next book, and he's a horror writer. And I, you know, I love so much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I love, I love so much where he's like talking at the beginning of the of the story about how how he's going to talk about his uh, his war memories, and they have all of the fans, and he's like, oh, the fan is like, oh, great, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was good. Like, and my dad fought in Vietnam, so like. It was always in our house. Like, I went through his drawer one day, and I found all these pictures of, like, bodies piled up. And I was like, why did you keep this? It's like, well, I just didn't want to forget it, I guess, because I was there. 
Yeah, it was really funny because one of the things when I was reading up other information kind of on the fact that PTSD was covered so heavily in this in this film was that they had only recognized PTSD as something real that impacted veterans in 1980. So it had literally only been six years that, um, and I know that I've seen, I'm a, I'm a huge documentary buff too. And um, I have seen documentaries with um, like World War II soldiers where they will say, when they're talking with the documentary staff, that's the first time they talked about their war experience because it was very emphatically told to them when they came home that they should just put that away and not talk about it um, just for the better of everybody. And so like you completely understand like your dad having those pictures and just going, I know this existed. I know I went through it. Like I just need to remind myself that this is something that happened to me and impacted me. You're just like, but you just kind of put it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, in your mur- in your murder drawer with your giant combat knife that they let you keep. <laughs> yeah, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's funny I drink because my drink now. think about it. If you look back at the movies that came out around that time and afterward, there was a lot of like making that character into a joke. He was mm-hmm. always popping up in things. He's even in Wet Hot American Summer when he's. Oh, uh, yeah. He's the chef guy and he has these flashbacks like the idea of like a a veteran having flashbacks to things that went down in the shit in Vietnam like that's so yeah. ingrained in my memory but it's ingrained as kind of a joke like a character that yeah. is like over the top the crazy Vietnam vet that you just kind of have to deal with you just kind of push him over there and just kind of laugh him in a little bit yeah or like the big Lebowski Gosh. with the with the Walter Oh, 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 I see somebody peeking in. That would be my daughter. Hi. My nine-year-old daughter. Hi. Hi. How old is she? She's nine. Oh, yeah. my daughter's 11. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. <laughs> you can ask them not anyway. to interrupt, but they will. Oh, of course, because that's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> they are in a, a giant interruption on two legs. <laughs> Well, that was the highlight. I mean, I love talking to you, but like getting to see your daughter is pretty awesome too. She's pretty great. So <laughs> she's dressing as a Japanese kitsune fox for Halloween. She's got Tecla like a, is... she's got like a priestess costume with a with like a like Japanese kitsune ears and a in a Japanese mask. Aww, that sounds beautiful, though. No, she she does it. She pulls it off. Yeah. Um, but, uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. But yeah, I I think I was, I was kind of taken aback at like how serious and dramatic and poignant, uh, the story was, especially when I remember it being so ridiculous and over the top and goofy, like kind of big top peewee kind of like ridiculousness. And it's amazing how, how both of those things, and I don't, and I feel like it, I feel like it it definitely is aged a little bit in that it's not I feel like I feel like it's a little slower than I remember it oh, yeah. from when I was oh, a kid yeah. so I don't, so I don't know like I don't know if my love of it would generate like would um like if I were to show it to like my kid in a year or so which would be like the exact same age I was when I saw it like I don't know I should be like oh 
I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know how well it would tra- translate to someone watching it now for the first time. But it's absolutely and the thing is is I I mean the ridiculousness of the practical effects is I mean, those puppets those puppets are huge. Like the huge the huge puppet that comes out of the closet is is massive and I think I read that it took like 15 people. Oh my god. to operate it. I know. I know. Um I love the puppets. I think that with, uh, this might have been the first movie I ever saw that had these kinds of like this kind of like Looney Tunesy sort of horror with it like i know evil dead would do it later and i didn't see evil dead 2 until much later um yeah and i know that uh in 1990 uh peter jackson did it with like brain dead and his other films yeah um but like i don't know if those could have existed without this one and it's so strange because this one is it it's like it's like on the page Maybe they were trying to do something serious, but in practice, a lot of it is super silly. And there's like these weird, ginormous pot, plot holes. They're not even plot holes. They're just oh, yeah. like, yeah. they just this plot crater is. Yeah, they just cut like, the script out and like <laughs> they're like Meh. just like we don't need this. It's not. They won't care. Yeah. They won't care. Just keep going. I I do. I love though um, the scene where where he really girds his loins and he gets his old gets his old combat stuff on yes. to like go in the house and when he sets everything up and he crawls and he like does a little army crawl yeah. and dives out of the house and he's like he's really he's ready to face this and he's doing the he's um, doing the platoon almost like he's on I his know, knees he's got amazing. his arms raised yes. and platoon came out like two years later or something like that right so like <laughs> what's going on <laughs> Oh, it's just so amazingly ridiculous. Maybe it was one year, I don't know. And I, I love, yeah, God, I think it was like eighty-seven, maybe. Um, I also love the scene when um, it, it leads right into that when um, he's down, he's downstairs, and he's got the big rubber lady, and he's hacked her into bits, and he's trying to bury her, yes. and and the neighbor shows up to hit on him, and that whole like the 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 screwball comedy. Of, of like the hand trying to get her and him stepping on the hand and stepping a little closer to yeah. her is just so amazing. Yeah, I really like that too. Um, <laughs> that was also dark though, in that when he first shot it, you thought it was him shooting his wife who had come. Oh, because you're like, are you. Why does yeah. George Wentz's character have his wife's phone number? <laughs> How is he able to call her? She's like a famous TV star, which seems yeah, to be patterned well, off of Susan Lucci because she loses. I know. Um, <laughs> George West's character. Okay, so- like, can we talk about him? Because he's hilarious. He makes no sense. He is. He shows up and he's got, he's he's supposedly the sports and like wings guy, but he shows up and he's got a dilapidated copy of his latest of, of um, what's the guy's, what's the main character's name? Roger, Roger um, Cobb. Cobb. Yeah, he's got Roger Cobb's <laughs> latest book in his pants, but it's so dilapidated, it's just loose pages. <laughs> and then later he shows up with wings and beer, and he sees a monster that he shoots with a harpoon, and then he disappears, and he just reappears in the film without any commentary as to what happened after that. Like, did he just you go home, that. and he was like, I don't need this shit. <laughs> I'm running for the hills if that happens to me. (laughs) 
I love, did you ever see House 2? I did, but I don't remember much about it. It is, it is utterly, it is utterly ridiculous. And it, it just, it is like, it is literally the Looney Tunes version. I mean, they, they go back to the house. It's just, it's totally like new people. But one of the things that's funny is they bring in Cliff from Cheers. Oh. <laughs> like instead of having Norm, they have, yeah, 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 they have Cliff, Cliff in the next one. So that's the one, the one piece of continuity. <laughs> but it is, it's utterly, cheers, it's just the cheers utterly cinematic ridiculous. Universe. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I am so glad that you suggested this because I hadn't revisited this in in a really long time. And I'm really glad I got to rewatch it again now. I wish I could go back and show you photos because I I did dress as Big Ben for Halloween one year. Oh, my God. That's amazing. And uh, it was it was not great, but I used my dad's old fatigues. So of course. And I, I had like this big, massive like skeleton-like uh, thing that I put on under the fatigues. So I just looked super puffy. <laughs> but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else about it? Oh, we were talking about practical effects and there's that stop yeah. motion um, demon when he goes in the mirror. That's one of the best scenes in the film because I it's like, that. Yeah. He, he like goes in and he drops the shaving cream <laughs> to see how far it would go down and yeah it's just very surreal and it, it's 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 just the best part of like that sort of like 80s style like craziness and he goes down in there I know. and when the thing shoots him and grabs his grabs his gun and shoots him it does one of these like old like western <laughs> like flip the shotgun blows for no reason yeah. like you can just tell that people had a lot of fun making this yeah yeah it, it it does feel like when you when you start piecing everything together and adding in all the plot holes, like there were a couple of different movies that they just kind of went. They just kept like going to different buckets and just scooping something out and being like, "Yeah, oh, that'll be great! Yeah, all the '80s are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they give us huge budgets and we can do whatever we want." <laughs> Not so huge budgets for the Vietnamese scenes, which are pretty cheesy looking. No. <laughs> Just go in somebody's backyard. It'll look like Vietnam. Yeah. Soundstage, probably. <laughs> okay. So now we should move on to, uh, unless you had anything else that you wanted to bring up about House. Just that the ending is abrupt. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is a door slamming right in your face. It's just right there. It's like those Jackie Chan movies, the Kung Fu ones, where like it's just like he runs over the bad guy in a hydrofoil. And then that it pauses right there, and, and the credits roll like, over the pause. <laughs> You're like, but oh, fine. <laughs> it's like you wanted to see him get the bad guy. He got the bad guy. There's nothing left to say. What else? What else is there? So, what is your recent horror that reminded you why you like the genre? Well, I, ch- I chose this one because it also takes place in a house, and uh, <laughs> it was exciting. It was exciting for a couple reasons. One of the reasons was that it was. It was a horror movie directed by a collective called Radio Silence. And they had had a bunch of really cool YouTube things. And they're sort of mm-hmm. one of the first, I would say they're one of the first, um, like, YouTube horror auteurs to jump from YouTube into, um, like, big screen. I didn't know this. Yeah, they had a lot of weird, um, you know, I grew up and and I was getting into television and and film study and stuff right when YouTube was starting to like find its footing. 
and we totally yeah. had the same idea to do uh, like choose your own adventure using their like um, their 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 special um, tools. They had a tool where you could like set it up so if you clicked like the left video, you'd go to a different section, and like you could do a choose huh. your own adventure yeah. that way. But we didn't do it. We just were too lazy to come up with it or work it out. And they did. They did it. And there's a bunch of them. Yeah. And they were really cool. And um, so this was like, this was this was them as like a, a representation of a new generation of filmmakers, of new a new voice in horror because they were in uh, VHS and a bunch of other compilations too. And it was also them. Uh, just bringing back that really fun, like kind of eighties vibe that I like so much in like house or something like house. When I watched it, like it kind of like set the tone for how I saw scary things as funny. Um, because a lot of the scary stuff I'd seen to that point, it was kind of tongue in cheeky, like nightmare on Elm street. Mm -hmm. Um, not to that point, but around that time that I would see, um, was tongue in cheek. But when I look back at house, it was always kind of like, dopey and fun and i think that ready or not is scary but it's also a ton of fun that movie made me laugh so hard yeah and it's and it's about the portions of it that are so absurd like the poor maids oh god poor those poor maids and that goddamn sister (laughs) oh the coke addict one the coke addict sister. Oh, when she finally shows up and she inter- introduces herself to uh, uh, Grace, and Grace has to be like wiping, wiping <laughs> yeah, up her yeah, nose. She's, just, her she's just like, oh, what do you do? What? Do you- I got some coke there. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I also like that this movie is representative of of Samara Weaving at her best because I love her. Uh, she is she just needs to keep making movies because everything that she's done has been really, really fun. Yeah, I loved The Babysitter. I also loved um, Guns Akimbo with Daniel Radcliffe where he gets the guns so, like stapled to his hands. Is that enjoyable? Like, because the, the, <laughs> the idea of it did not appeal to me. It's good. It's good. It's not great. <laughs> but Samara Weaving plays an assassin. It's fun. And oh, well, then there, then I will. There's watch enough. It. <laughs> there's enough there. That's fun. And isn't she and different? I'm trying to remember. There was like a office space esque horror movie that had hmm. the guy from The Walking Dead in it. Is that the one that produced by James Gunn? Yeah, Severance? I think so. No. No. Let me Samara. Who I was unaware is um, Hugo Weaving's. Is that, is that his name? Hugo? Yeah. Hugo Weaving? I think. Or yeah. Hugo. Uh, I don't know. I, he's, yeah. She's uh, his niece. That makes sense. She has. They're Aussies. She is so much fun That's... in this movie, though. She really is. Um, when I just flips. Mayhem. Oh, yeah. Mayhem by Joe Lynch, which. I didn't love as much as I wanted to, but she is really a delight in it. I am. Um, I love at the very end of the movie, <laughs> after she like breaks up with um, Alex for the last time, yeah. she snorts. <laughs> oh, 
She starts at the beginning of the movie, too, (laughs) when she's laughing with him in his bedroom and she lets out this little snort. And I swear to God, when women snort when they laugh, that is that is the best thing. I think so. (laughs) I try to incorporate it sometimes. I can't I can't do it on purpose. But, you know, like, but occasionally it sneaks out. Yeah, (laughs) It's probably not going to now, but. But that I I would have to be I would have to be a lot funnier than I (laughs) character is so good. And um, Um, it is just, you know, um, it was funny because we got a couple movies last year that really kind of talked about classism. Yes. And and yeah. And that was because and it was also what I thought was really funny was um, kind of like. This is going to be a really I my the brush that I'm using to paint this is just fucking enormous. But um like in midsummer where there were a couple of men out there who were like, "Well, you know, was he really that bad?" And you know, there's a kind of people that were just like, "You know, well, maybe she should have kind of forgiven. Maybe you know, it's kind of all of his family." Alex is a fucking selfish prick. I am just going to be <laughs> I'm going to be really fucking honest with it. Like, there were so many points in their relationship where he could have, and, and, and the point where he she, he looks at her and he says, well, if I hadn't asked you to marry me, you'd have left. Yeah. Like, so, of course, I'm just going to put you through this because I wanted you to stay, knowing that potentially this could happen. But I, but I wanted you. Like, I wanted you here. And you're like, you fucking dick. <laughs> like... You know, I mean, there's points where he could have admitted to her what was going on, but um, but no, he's just really, really terrible. <laughs> I really, gosh, I really apparently hate him a lot more than I thought I did. <laughs> At first, you don't. At first, you think that maybe no. he just you're like, oh, he just thought he met could each other and get out and yeah. it would be okay. But yeah, um, that is a very funny scene too when they're in the the. I don't know what to call it, the secret passage. And it's the first time she she's bringing it up. Like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, you're the one who wanted to get married. <laughs> oh, that moment. And she just, like, slaps it, like, with, like, Elaine, like, Seinfeld's Elaine power. <laughs> like, really? Really? So it's my fault. <laughs> yeah. But, but this movie, this movie is so made... By the family. Like, I mean, it's just everybody is is just uniquely and wonderfully terrible. Yeah. Well, did you ever think I you'd love- see Andy McDowell in a horror movie, let alone playing someone so coiled, twisted? Uh-huh. God, she was she was fantastic. I love. And I I love that she she looked her age. I mean, still looks amazing. But she looked her age. I mean, she was very somebody that could be their mom. Yes. But yeah, that little like, just the little twists that she did when she, you know, would smack somebody down or would just call somebody on their bullshit. Oh, oh yeah. Because Tony was up there and he was like preening and like, I did this and this for the family. <laughs> and like, <laughs> as soon as shit goes down, he's like, fuckity, fuck, 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 fuck. And she's like, okay, let's simmer down and let's take care of shit. Like, all of that is gold. I like, 
I flailed. I hit. I hit Vincent Price. I have a little tiny Vincent Price bust. <laughs> oh, the perils! The perils of my my little bedroom. <laughs> Can we talk about Adam Brody too? Because already he's. I love him as an actor. I loved him in Jennifer's Body as the as the guy in the boy band. Oh. Um, He's so good in this because he gets to play, like, the character he's... who you're never sure what he's thinking. And he's honestly, of of that entire group, You, he's the only one, like, at the end of the day that you really like. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of feel sorry yeah. for the the girl that screws everything up all the time just because her she's she she has this really sincere moment where she's like my kids don't deserve it deserve this but then the, the yeah. screenplay is like no we're not gonna go there we're gonna make you still feel good here's the kid and he shot her don't forget that shot her <sighs> the hand oh my god i mean just the fact that the moment when he shoots her through the hand is harrowing and then you see the foreboding of the nail <sighs> coming up it's it's hard and i'm typically like i i always put spoiler warnings on and i try not to spoil things for the things that we talk about before we talk about the formative and the the current movie with understanding that there's going to be just spoilers ahoy yeah through these portions of the discussion but then i just completely fucked it up with blind manner and so i'm still feeling as you can tell i'm still feeling guilty about that because i'm talking about it (laughs) but but that scene oh my god i don't know what it is about about hand wounds like that that you're just it's just so just awful and also the fact that the child was that bloodthirsty like this is just what we do yeah well that's when we first see them running around with the masks (laughs) the masks yeah the dad's like oh that was my dad's (laughs) idea it was the 80s (laughs) it was the 80s Oh, the whole traditions too. I, I, the whole premise of the film, which I think I got from one of the extras where they were talking about it and they were like, it's basically that there's this family that inherited this legacy, this blood mm-hmm. cult legacy, but yeah. it, they haven't had to do anything with it in so long. And it's something yeah. their grand, their great, great grandfather set yeah. up. So like, In a way, they're kind of screwed because it's like none of them agreed to make this this agreement right and they don't they can't even wipe their own asses it's like how are they supposed to go around killing a person who's like got any wits about them at all i did read a really interesting um theory and it kind of seems like it stands that um the reason why it keeps working and the reason why they keep being able to be used. And I loved that um, when they break down the Le Domas and the um, Mr. Lavelle, yeah. that it breaks down to Asmodel and uh, Belial, like the demon names. Oh, uh, never got it. The, I didn't either. Like, thank goodness for trivia that appears elsewhere. <laughs> but the reason... I throw things. Um, the reason why... Um, Oh my god, I can't believe I haven't spoken about her till now. Evil murder auntie. <laughs> Evil murder auntie is literally my favorite character. Like I literally want to do her as a Halloween costume where I just I do like the little the little white faux hawk wig yes. 
and I just stare and I, and I just look at people angrily because I love her. I love her anger and her just hatred. Oh my God. The moment where she stands up as the bride and groom are walking by and everybody stands up and she just looks like she wants to vomit and she's just like, fine. And she stands up. I love her so much. Um, but a, a point that I saw made was that the reason why her fiance had to die, the reason why Grace had to die, is they were actually good people that genuinely loved, that genuinely loved the family members. And had their marriage been allowed to continue, it would have pulled them out of the family and out of the dominion, causing it to collapse and fail. So that when 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 uh, uh, Labelle recognizes that it's like a true love, like those are the ones that get the hide and seek. That's not bad because yeah, because if you look because, at who have, who else was chosen at that table, yeah, like they knew what they were getting into. They were like, yeah, fuck it, I, I would rather have money. And they they, they get badminton, they get dominoes, they get you know. <laughs> Whatever ridiculous game they get. Right, because Bale can't cho- can't claim the soul of a good person, right? Yeah, so it has to... And also, once, they're, once they're, their true partner is killed, it pulls them further back in because it's all they have anymore. It, it you know, who knows? I mean, that might be reading too much. I've, I've completely built mythologies. <laughs> To other stories that have nothing to do with reality. Yeah. <laughs> you should hear my backstory on Labyrinth. <laughs> next time. But, um, <laughs> next time. Next time. <laughs> but yeah, I love... They, they do so much with so little with this movie. And it's just... I'm trying to look to see if I had any other notes. Of anything, I'm definitely going to look into Radio Silence. Do you know if they've done? They're doing the new Scream movies. That's what I heard. <gasps> oh, I am very interested. I, you know, I have a feeling we're roundabouts the same age. I don't know. Um, I'm older than most. <laughs> no, I think we're close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can tell by the way you talk. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. So I was. I don't know. I was probably like 25 or 26 when Scream came out and was very much a, you know, I was a huge Wes Craven fan. So the idea of him coming out with something that was like awesome, new horror, like I just ran to the theater so I could see it. And I I did not watch. Have you watched the new TV show that they did? No, I did not. I heard really, really good things about it. And I heard that they had really good directors. But one of the points that I heard a lot was that this is not Scream for the original fans of Scream. This is Scream for, like, it's Scream for 20-year-olds. And it that isn't to say it's bad, but it is very much tied to everything that's going to, I don't know how to say it, um, but it's it's going to get it's going to be their cultural references it's going to be their style of storytelling and 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 if you're like our age who really enjoyed the original scream that you're going to be like huh but i heard it was really good and i i like their the idea of there being a new take on it i don't hate you know i remember when i was really young i hated remakes and and now i'm just like 
go make some fucking money. Go ahead and go make a new story. And if you like if you make a enjoyable story from a property that I used to love or I do love and it's interesting and fun, I'm definitely going to give it the chance. I really like the remake of House of Wax that they did. That is amazingly good. Yeah, it's terrifying and too. Paris Hilton is amazingly good in it. Like they cast her completely to type and she was fantastic in it. It, it I remember being really surprised because I went in with the idea of like who Paris Hilton was and then like she's, yeah, no, it was really good and The set pieces creepy. are stunning and it is creepy. Yeah. It's super creepy. Yeah. Way more than the original to me. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, it is late. It is late where you are. <laughs> and you should get to go to sleep. And I am so glad that I got to talk oh, to you tonight. I love talking about horror stuff. You ever want to talk about something else that's not my formative or my recent? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do that too. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. And I hope you have a wonderful night. You too. All right. Uh, for the rest of you, uh, Have a great week, and I'll talk to you again in two weeks. Don't Read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com, on Twitter at drtlpodcast, on Tumblr, or at facebook.com slash don'treadthelatin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and themes about us. We're dying to meet them. <laughs>